Hey everybody, it's Kate. Welcome back to the Voice Above podcast. I'm really excited about today's episode. Today we will be talking about reconciliation in Canada. In the past decade, reconciliation has really come to the fore in Canadian politics and conversations about the relationship between Indigenous peoples and settler peoples in Canada. It is an absolute honour to introduce to you our guest today, Her Excellency the Right Honourable Mary May Simon. Her Excellency is the 30th Governor General of Canada and has been a lifelong champion of Arctic and Indigenous issues. She began her career as a radio broadcaster for CBC North, has worked extensively with NGOs to promote Inuit rights, and was actively involved in the negotiations that led to the entrenchment of Aboriginal and treaty rights into Canada's 1982 constitution, and has been an ambassador for circumpolar affairs, and has been awarded various medals and distinctions for her work and public service. As Governor General, Her Excellency is the Queen's representative in Canada and holds an apolitical role where she acts as what is often referred to as the heart of the nation. Your Excellency, thank you so much for taking the time to come on our show today. Well, it's my pleasure. I'll be happy to have a conversation with you. Thank you. So to start us off, I want to acknowledge the land that we are on today while recording the show. I'm recording from Thunder Bay, Ontario, and I recognize that the city of Thunder Bay was built upon the traditional lands of the Anishinaabeg Nation and the traditional territory of the Fort William First Nation, signatory to the Robinson Superior Treaty of 19 or 1850. I also want to recognize the land upon which Her Excellency is recording from in Rideau Hall in Ottawa, Ontario. It is the traditional unceded territory of the Algonquin and Anishinaabe people. Across Canada, Indigenous peoples have had a relationship with the land since time immemorial and continue to be caretakers of this land in the present and future. I invite everyone listening in Canada to reflect upon their relationship with the land they reside upon and the peoples that have called it home. Your Excellency, land acknowledgements like the one I just made have become more commonplace over the last few years. I know you've spoken about them a few times since becoming Governor General, so I was wondering if you could share with us your perspective about why these land acknowledgements are so important and how non-Indigenous Canadians can connect with them in a meaningful way. I think there's a recognition. Uh, well, thank you for that question. And um, the recognition of Indigenous lands uh, has come about over uh, several several years now. And um, it... it uh, and, and the reason why Indigenous peoples uh, feel strongly about the acknowledgement is that during colonization and prior to that, uh, Indigenous peoples were displaced from their lands. And since we've been talking about um, the true history of Canada and the truth telling that's needed in this country, part of that is to acknowledge the fact that Indigenous people never gave up their lands. They were displaced from their lands. So when we acknowledge uh, where we are seated uh, or where we are uh, located, um, it's become extremely important for Indigenous people to have this acknowledgement. And it's important to, to uh, also indicate why we're acknowledging it um, uh, because there was a period not too long ago where it just became a phrase in every, everyone's speech that they acknowledged this, the uh, unceded territory of certain Indigenous uh, peoples. And uh, 
I think the fact that we are now dwell, de dealing with more substantive issues, when we say those words, it's become a lot more meaningful to Indigenous people. And I know that when, when land claims treaties are being negotiated or self-government treaties are being negotiated, lands is always one of the key issues that is being addressed through these agreements or treaties. Treaties in the, all the land claims agreements now are called treaties through the Constitution of Canada. So we, we say land claims treaties, we used to say land claims agreements. Well, that's very insightful. So as the first Indigenous Governor General, you've drawn attention to the importance of reconciliation and have prioritized it as one of your main mandates. So what does reconciliation mean to you and how as Governor General do you intend to make it a focus of your tenure? I think I can begin by saying that um, reconciliation is a way of life and it's continuous with no end date. It's not a, uh, it's not a project, it's not a program, uh, it's not um, a cooperation agreement between people. It's, it's a way of life. And I think it is learning from, from our lived experiences and understanding one another here in Canada is a critical aspect of the work we have to do, reconciliation, is creating a necessary space for all of us to heal, not just Indigenous people, but other Canadians as well. And it, it is also um, a work that is necessary to, to plant the seeds of hope and respect so that we can grow from these stories and from these discussions that we are having across the country so that our children can grow up to know and learn about what this country is all about. So it's really important for us to tell the truth, to be honest about the past. And, uh, and from there, there can be a lot of healing. There's a lot of political issues related to the relationship between indigenous peoples and, and governments and other levels of uh, authority. But my role is, is uh, apolitical, it's not political. So my work will be related more to connecting with Canadians, doing different um, activities and uh, initiatives across the country, meeting with uh, people at the grassroots level, talking to them about what I'm doing and what reconciliation means to me. And uh, I, I really feel that it's one of those areas that can really foster uh, good relations, as long as we're doing it in a way that is respectful of one another. And that's part of uh, the issue that we have to face, that there has not always been respect uh, and honesty about what's happened to Indigenous peoples in Canada. So to start off with, that's where I'm going to be beginning is, is how can we, how can we address the past uh, not just learn from it, but to learn to live and move forward, uh, knowing that we have this history that, that we don't ever want to repeat again in this country. I think that's very well put. Uh, thank you, Your Excellency. So 
now that we've spoken a bit about what reconciliation is and means, what do you think young Canadians and non-Indigenous Canadians in general can help to or can do to help further reconciliation in their own lives and communities? Parents have a big role to play in this. Um, educators have a big, big role to play in this. And also children and youth through their learning will have a big part of this in the, in the coming years and, and in the future. Uh, when people come together and re reach out to others and to, and to create a, a, a relationship, a positive relationship, with your neighbor, with your family, it can be with anybody really. And we're calling on businesses and other organizations to, to let us know what they are doing about reconciliation. So it's, it's a, a, a many levels of, of work that's required. But in terms of the um, human contact and the individual day-to-day -day, um, efforts of, of, of all of us regarding the youth, it's so important to talk to them about what's happening in Canada. It's so important for the education system to teach them the real history of what happened in Canada without laying blame necessarily, but telling the truth as it is, as it was in the past and what happened to, to Indigenous peoples. And I think if we can teach our youth to be more active in the discussions about not just reconciliation but about what happened with with children and, and youth uh, in regards to residential schools and the trauma that they experienced and how that trauma has been passed on as an adult through intergenerational um, trauma and and one of the reasons why there the situation as it is now with indigenous people. And when, especially like I was listening to uh, an interview that was being done with a former residential school student uh, in Kamloops and uh, you can see the pain in an elder that where she experienced so much trauma that even to this day, she could not go to the school. And eventually her daughter had to help her and take her there to, to find some closure about what happened. And it just showed me that, you know, there is a tremendous amount of, of pain. And on the, on the non-Indigenous side, there is a lot of uh, guilt that people carry about what happened in the past. So there are these very heavy issues that we have to come face to face with. And if we can do that, Indigenous people will become stronger and more uh, resilient, well, we are all very resilient, but they will become more active in our society and become bigger players that they can be. And on the non-Indigenous side, I think youth have to learn that this is something that happened in the past. We have to know about it. We have to learn it in our schools, in, in other uh, fora, like in our homes. And and learn from it. And when you become a leader or a business leader or a political leader in the future, these young people will have a much better awareness and understanding of what happened in Canada. And there will, therefore will be more sensitive to the discussions that take place now with between indigenous people and other governments or other levels of governments and organizations. 
So these, some of it is, is shorter term impacts like healing, uh, mental health issues related to residential schools. Uh, that is another one of my priorities and uh, the healing and the need to, to bring that reconciliation effort to today's life. And also it relates very directly to the future. I agree with you entirely about the importance of education and discourse. It really is important to uh, share and learn from this history. So Your Excellency, as I'm sure you're well aware, Canada has been substantively working towards reconciliation with Indigenous peoples since the Truth and Reconciliation Commission made their recommendations in 2015. In the past 12 months, some major milestones have occurred in the relationship between Canada and its Indigenous peoples. In June 2021, the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples Act received royal assent and came into force in Canada. In July, you were sworn in as Canada's first Indigenous Governor General. And in September, the first National Day for Truth and Reconciliation recognized and honored the lost children and survivors of residential schools, their families, and communities. What are your thoughts on these milestones? Do you think they represent meaningful steps towards reconciliation? I do. I do think they do bring uh, steps towards reconciliation because anything that is recognized and treated seriously about different arrangements that are being made for in, on Indigenous people with Indigenous peoples uh, are critically important. Um, you know, the fact that I am the first Indigenous Governor General, I always say I am the Governor General for all Canadians, but I am Indigenous. Uh, but I do have a special focus as, a, as an Indigenous person how, how, on, in terms of what's happening across the country. And I think the UN Declaration is something that I worked on uh, for, for a long time back in the, in the mid-80s to the early 90s. And, um, you know, there was a... Uh, there was a call for all Indigenous peoples in the world to come together to fight for this declaration and to develop it. And, you know, that was a difficult process, but anything is possible. We came together with other Indigenous peoples in, in, in internationally, and, and it was a step-by-step -step process. Uh, and I, I think that we can all agree that nothing happens all at once. It can be an incremental process whereby you achieve one part of the element that you are trying to achieve and you move on to, to the next, next issue that requires uh, addressing. And I, I know that when I was negotiating a number of different uh, national and international institutions, it was a step-by-step -step process and it took some years on some things and other things, it took a shorter period of time. So I see the relationship and this reconciliation process as being a similar kind of process, uh, it, but it's very human, human uh, connected with human population in this country, both indigenous and non-indigenous. And I think that, um, and that's the reason why I say it's it, there is no end date to it, uh, because I can remember as a child living a certain lifestyle and living in certain conditions. And after so many years, I see where the Canada is now. And it was an incremental process for the Federation to come together. And um, 
these are things that I think if we're focused on them and we, uh, not methodically, but we make um, milestones, um, it develop milestones on things that need to be uh, addressed through reconciliation, then I think we can we can uh, achieve reconciliation over time, but I know that reconciliation will be happening through my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren. And um, I hope that, uh, you know, in their lifetime that the relationship will be very different from the way it is today. I think that's a really great point that it is something that will be going on past our generation into future generations as well. So along with these positive milestones that uh, we've been discussing, it's been impossible to ignore over the past year as well, the negative milestones that I've been seeing on the news. So watching the news, the discovery of graves near residential schools has been an important reminder to myself and other Canadians about the importance of reconciling Canada's colonial past. Um, in my family, the discoveries led to conversations around the dinner table that we hadn't really had before, where we got to talking about the impact of residential schools on Indigenous communities and how they are a dark part of Canada's past. With reconciliation being about Indigenous and non-Indigenous Canadians engaging with Canada's history and present, do you think the discovery of these graves has been part of a push Canadians sort of needed in order to finally recognize the importance of reconciliation? Uh, let me first say that um, I knew about the unmarked graves, but they were in a report that the Truth and Reconciliation Commission's reports that that they uh, presented to the to the government, and there were elements in the report that said that uh, there there were children that had never come back home, and there there were thousands of them. So I knew about that, but Canadians generally did not. Um, in fact, I don't think a lot, many Canadians knew about residential schools. The, the older people of today didn't know about residential schools in their own, uh, own, own area. Uh, but what the unmarked graves did, I think, is that it, it showed, like vis vis visually, it showed us that these, in fact, were the graves of children that never went home. And aside from the very, very painful experiences that people, uh, indigenous peoples have experienced during this period, especially, um, that's one part of it. But the other part is when Canadians saw on TV and in, in, in uh, reports and, and newspapers, that these were in fact unmarked graves. It was like a huge jolt to Canadians that this was happening. And I think that that really, really created the kind of discussion that you are talking about in your own family. And also it, it did provide, I think a lot of impetus on, uh, on different authorities to start addressing, the, addressing this more more um, consciously and, and, and deal with it. So yes, I think that it, it, did, it did help. I mean, I don't like the word help. It did provide um, some 
uh, people's reality was sh shaken and therefore it meant something needed to be done, something more needed to be done. So I think that's really, it's still happening. I mean, I think it was last week that they found unmarked graves in Saskatchewan. Uh, and I would imagine there will be, there will be many more. Well, Your Excellency, thank you so much for coming on our show today and sharing your perspectives about reconciliation in Canada and your experiences being part of these major positive milestones that we talked about uh, formally um, in UNDRIP, uh, as well as being our first governor general that is Indigenous. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what the rest of your mandate uh, brings us reconciliation-wise uh, and looking forward to what reconciliation in Canada will look like in the next few decades. So thank you so much for coming on our show. It really has been an honor to speak with you. Well, thank you so much for inviting me today. It was a pleasure to talk to you. As always, subscribe or follow The Voice Above on Spotify or Apple Podcasts to get a notification when our next episode airs in late March. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you.